We good, you good, everybody good. How's everybody going on there? Another episode, A-League Show. We all up, up in here. How's everybody going? How's everybody doing? Good. I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know what number we're at right now. I think we're I at think like we 112. Well, right? 112. Shout out 112, you know what I'm saying? The, the apartment yeah. complex and the, the R&B group. <laughs> I, 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 That's I, my old apartment complex. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, you got, I'm pretty sure you got, I wasn't even thinking about the, the, the Georgia State dorms, but I'm pretty sure, Jeremy, you probably got some 112 Cortland stories, man. For sure. It would take our whole entire podcast to unpack those. <laughs> oh, those kids fall semester this year, they like flooded the, uh, flooded the apartment. Cause uh, a dude like broke the water pipe cause he got drunk and broke the water pipe and it like messed up the whole apartment. Like, yeah, that happened. To, yeah. That actually happened to me when I was there. Wow. I was, I was under an apartment that had a fire and the water ran down into my apartment. So I had to move in the middle of the semester Impulse, man. Uh, because of uh, it was a fire. It was this. I got some stories. And the time K Camp showed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Up. I remember that. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> but but he couldn't perform because he was sick, wasn't he? He said he had some wrong with his yeah. voice. <laughs> what? Of course. Wow. One twelve <laughs> has some funny stories, man. I remember uh, one day they they had um, what did they have? They had uh. Like one night they had like a bunch of like rappers, like underground, like popping Atlanta rappers just come to the parking lot and they all stood on the cars and they were playing their music and they're, you know how, how, how rappers be standing, they're just, <laughs> and they did that for like, yeah, exactly, exactly. They did that for a couple hours at night, like randomly, like throwing money and stuff. Like, it was like, I don't know, it's just funny. Yeah. <laughs> when you got it like that, you just got it like that. You know, it was that is what that entirely is. But I can only I can only imagine like, you know, you should do like, you know, Jeremy, you should do like a, a whole like, you know, like you said, a whole podcast, you know, just rehashing old, you know, old dorm stories from old dorm stories from state because, you know, some mess went down in those, you know, in those places there. And since the fact that they just build new dorms, it's one of those things where there, you know, there are probably even, you know, even more stories from there. But you know, that is entirely what that is. But um, but yeah, this, you know, we haven't, you know, recorded in a, you know, in a couple of weeks, and you know, so much obviously has has happened, including, you know, there's, you know, because we've been keeping up with it. You know, there was the, you know, there was the uh, Makura Maker decision um, to go to um, to go. I believe it was to Howard. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of other things that happen, and there's also, of course, the anticipation of the return of the NBA season. Now, of course, you know everybody is already giving all of their prognostications on who's going to win, who's going to be NBA champions, and things like that. But also, there's a lot of talk about just how much is really going on, or what is going to go on, like inside the NBA bubble at you know, at Disney or what could end up going on at the NBA bubble in Disney. And there's, you know, already been some, you know, you know, some concerns. Players have, you know, said some things about the amenities and they said some stuff about the food and things like that and what they're, you know, what they could expect there. And then, of course, you know, we all know what Stephen A. Smith said about how he felt like some players are going to end up engaging in some extracurricular activities so we know what we know we all know what that is you know trying to you know dare i say uh, trying to bring the strip club to the mickey mouse club if you know what i mean but but there's a lot of stuff going on with that and um you know i just wanted to see like you know how everybody was feeling about it yeah i just wanted to like you know just see what you know what's going on and you know oh. just so much anticipation well I, I was gonna let uh jeremy go first but uh <laughs> huh that, that's an interesting question. It's just, I don't know. I think it's very, it's very entertaining just to watch the stories and like the videos coming out of it. A lot of people are talking about blogging, uh, going into it, but people put so much on their Instagram stories and go on Instagram live. Like I've already seen, like I already kind of know, like just by looking at four different players rooms, like what they have going on, what we really want, what I really want to know is like, y'all think LeBron like has the same, cause everybody like LeBron not going for this. There's no way they treat him LeBron like this. And, you know, Giannis, when they asked Giannis, Giannis said, my apartment in Greece before I came to the NBA was smaller than that. 
and you know, so um, so I guess Giannis is in a regular room, but like is LeBron in a regular room? Because LeBron is kind of like bigger than the NBA. So <laughs> I wonder how they're treating him with food and just treatment and everything like that. But um, I'm very entertained just to see how grown men, professional athletes, like famous people, like millionaires are living like a college style type of lifestyle. Like it's just very interesting to me. And then with the WNBA, kind of like the same thing of like, you know, they're grown women, you know what I'm saying? They're mothers, you know, parents and stuff like that. And, you know, they're in this like college lifestyle, like this bubble thing. And uh, some of the videos that came out the first night at the WNBA bubble, you know, that caused some concern. But other people were like, yo, my bubble is cool. My bubble looks nice. My bubble, you know what I'm saying? I'm living with my roommates. And, you know, then you get into all the specifics of uh, some people can choose to live in a little community uh, if they want to bring their kids and family or guests. Some people can choose to just live with a bunch of roommates in, like, a more nicer-looking place. So. I don't know. There's so much that goes into it, but shout out to J.R. Smith for giving the most entertaining bubble uh, presentation of them all out of both leagues. I really enjoy Pat Beverly, to be honest. Bubble, what you making? <laughs> bubble, what you making, baby? Got the sage. Nah, but yeah, I'm. I'm I, I think it's really cool because it's like you know you get to see. Honestly, to me, this is more like the Olympics. Like, it's like you kind of get to see a small sample size of what that experience is like, you know, without the players being able to go and travel places and hang out and stuff. And, you know, we've all heard the stories about, um, you know, the interactions or the entanglement between (laughs) the players, uh, athletes of different sports that go on in the Olympic Village. So, um yeah, I mean, I think that's cool. I think that's – and it's going to make for some great stories, um, you know, in years, you know, down the line when we hear about things that take place over the next couple of months in that bubble. Um, especially, uh, I think, uh, you know, the NBA bubble and the WNBA bubble and, you know, the MLS bubble as well. Like, I, I think we'll I – wish, I wish there was a way that we could be guaranteed that we'll get a 30-for-30 a 30 based off of what's going on. I'm sure somebody has a camera down there. Like, Oh, for sure. You, you know, in, in the age of content they got. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing all that that comes out. It's It's been cool to, like you said, watch other, like watch the players, um, you know, kind of showcase what they're going through down there. Um, it all, I almost feel a little guilty because, like, they have to go live like that to play ball. But, like, at the same time, it's like um, – you know, I'm appreciative that they are willing to go do that just as a sports fan. Like, they're willing to go down and spend this time away from their families to, uh, you know, enter- it's, it's, inter- it's entertainment. I mean, at the end of the day, it's sports are entertainment, and they have their place, but, you know, it's it's they're making a big sacrifice. So I want people to appreciate athletes for, you know, this is an opportunity for us to celebrate them because of, you know, I know that a lot of times we – people have gotten to an age where there's so much criticism of athletes because either they make a lot of money or they didn't win this game or they didn't win that game. But people don't really understand what goes into being an athlete. Sometimes like this is like most of these fields is a year round thing and they train and train and train and train and put money into getting the best physical care, all this stuff just so that they can be ready to perform when the season starts. So, yeah, I think this is a, prime example of that i i think this is a big test of a uh, showing of character to the public too of just like when you see rondo react the way he did when you see the WNBA, some of the wnba players react the way they did and you know like a guy like who was it uh i'm trying to think who it was uh country boy from alabama used to play for the hawks Damari carroll when Damari carroll goes on Man, y'all bugging, man. This good eating where I come from. And, then, you know, Giannis saying, you know, my apartment used to be smaller than this. John Morant saying I'm a low-maintenance guy. That makes people, like, like him more. When someone like John Rondo with a perfectly fine room is like, Motel 6, huh? Like, come on, dog. And then the middle finger emoji. Come on, dog. Like, <laughs> and then someone's like, well, you have to understand, like, they're millionaires. They're used to so-and-so. 
I'm like, dude, but they've been regular people more than they've been millionaires. You know, they've been regular people 19, 20 years. They've been in the league 15 years. Rondo been in the league 15 years. So, excuse me. Uh, uh, this is a big test of, like, how out of touch of reality are you? Because these are regular rooms, regular nice rooms. Like, Jeremy was talking about it himself when we were talking about it in the group chat earlier this week. Of just, like, that, that's perfectly fine. That's better than any room I've ever had <laughs> since college. So, you know, I mean, hey, man, that, that, that's another, like, kind of thing to take note of. But, you know, I think it'll definitely be interesting tonight. So, you know, since they kind of uh, finished quarant- the quarantine period over there where they had to stay in their rooms by themselves, uh, you know, I think it'd be definitely interesting to see, like, when LeBron goes into somebody's room to play them on PS4 or something. You know, like, just stuff like that, just because, like, they're bored. You know how it is when you go on field trips and, you guys have a bunch of hotel rooms. Like, everybody goes into each other's room and acts a fool. So, like, it'll just be funny to see, like, you know, NBA players doing that. And then to see, like, our players from different teams. Like, is John Morant going to go to, like, uh, Zion's room? You know, J- just stuff like that would be very cool to see. Like, AAU days all over again. Exactly. That's what I was, you know, that's what sort of what I was thinking. Like when, you know, Jeremy, when you brought up the point about the Olympics, that's, that's kind of what I was thinking because it's so ironic that before, um, before COVID hit, obviously this was supposed to be an Olympic year. And of course, basketball is an Olympic sport. So a lot of these players, um, when there was, you know, when we started 2020, a lot of these, you know, a lot of these players, especially if they were supposed to be picked for USA basketball, they were really like expecting, you know, this to happen, you know, they were expecting to, you know, eventually be, you know, in a bubble, but obviously like, you know, an Olympic bubble in Tokyo, obviously, but obviously things, um, things changed, but I, but I think that really and truly, I think that all of this content, all this stuff that's coming out, you know, from both NBA and WNBA, I feel like it, you know, it's it's actually something that really, when you think about it, it's actually kind of getting me a little bit excited to, you know, to tip off ball. Because it's, you know, I just think that really and truly, like, this is, you know, really a, a testament to, as far as I'm concerned, just players really making the best out of an unusual situation. I mean, nobody predicted that, you know, any of this stuff was going to happen, obviously, when 2020 started. But I just think that, like you said, it's just, um, something where we just, you know, kind of, you know, they just kind of made the, you know, made the best out of an unusual, um, out of an unusual situation. And I definitely think, like, like you said, there are players that are already, you know, that are already vlogging about their experiences. And there's definitely going to be, uh, there's definitely going to be a documentary, a documentary like a thirty for thirty, possibly maybe even a multi-parter coming out of this. Probably several multi-parters. Like, it's so amazing because it had me thinking. You know, it was one of those issues where it had me thinking back to um, to the last dance. And it made me think about the episode where I was talking about Dennis Rodman and how he was partying with Carmen Electra in Las Vegas. And it just had me thinking, like, what's going to come out of this? Like, what wild stories like are we going to hear like? you know, in the next year, in the next five years, in the next 10 years, like what sort of stories are we going to hear? Are we going to know more about um, once, you know, once all of this gets filtered out? Because trust me when I say there are going to be some wild stories come out of this. Like they're going to. Anything sneaking in woman is going to be under wraps for the next five years at least. It could be, but I feel like eventually, I feel like eventually it's, you know, little bits and pieces are going to end up coming out about about it. And it, you know, it'll be, you know, it'll be one of those issues where, you know, like you said, like some, some of it, a lot of it may end up, you know, still being under wraps, but I feel like that if, because really and truly, when you think about it, everybody's a content creator nowadays, all these players got Instagram accounts. A lot of them got, you know, you know, all of them got Twitter accounts or Instagram accounts. Uh, some of them, you know, a lot of them probably even have TikTok accounts and Snapchats. So they're really like creating their their own content now. So some of it is just going to just come out, you know, really just off rip based on what the players see, you know, and what they experience. But but, you know, like you said, it's you know, we may not necessarily, you know, get to see everything, at least now, but I think that really, when you think about it, the stories that are going to be part of the documentary, like, don't get me wrong, like, when when they eventually do, like, in 20 or 20 some odd years, and they do, like, a last dance equivalent for LeBron, like, 
this is going to be part, especially if the Lakers win the championship, this is going to be part of that, you know, multi-part documentary, like a LeBron's experience in the bubble before he won the championship with the Lakers. Like, I cannot wait for that. That Like, that is prime content right there. That is prime content. And even on the WNBA side, the fact that Sabrina Ionescu played her first season with the Liberty in the bubble, like, I, like it, just, it just got me wanting more. Like, it got me, it got me slick excited, really. The question I have for y'all that, that Kim just brought up now, do y'all think that um, LeBron's documentary will be watered down a little bit more being that like he already puts out so many documentaries right now? I think there are so many things we don't know about LeBron or there are, I, I, that's the thing I think about. I think that there are, are you know what? Now that I think about it, though, you know, they had the one about, you know, what was it, more than a game. So that kind of answered stuff about his um, high school life and growing up life. And He had a whole movie about the, uh, his high school life, the, the one with the, um, with the Drake song, Forever. More than a game, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think you, I think you may be on to an interesting point there with LeBron especially. Um, he's kind of been the guy that's been opening out there unless something controversial about him is going on behind the scenes that we just don't know about. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think, I think you may be right about that. I think that he, he also has an Apple series coming out and the first yeah. episode is like the Boston game. I don't know if you saw that advertisement. I did see that get yeah. advertised. And I, and I know he's probably got more things in the works. So um, I think it'll be if they do something like like the last dance on LeBron, it'll have to be through the eyes of somebody, not him. You know what I mean? I've, we, we've seen it. We've seen it through his eyes this entire time because he tells us. So, I mean that that could be true. And then and another thing about LeBron is like we've seen all of this up to this point. I still think he has like quite a bit left for him to 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 happen for him because you know we'll see him play another five years maybe um and he'll be a contender throughout those years and i mean who knows he may he, this may be his last couple of years in the nba may be his his three peak moment for like jordan had like this may be his time to truly be what you know what jordan was but who who knows um so to answer your question in a short way no i yes i do think it may be a little watered down just because of who lebron is yeah, and shout out to ESPN. They did a great doc on um the, the the decision without LeBron. They didn't even have LeBron speaking that one. I watched that like last week. It came out the end of June. It was really well done and just and pretty much broke down LeBron's career because <laughs> it talked about leading up to the decision, the day of the decision, what went behind it. And it was funny seeing that Bill Simmons is the one who suggested it to LeBron's team. And then Bill Simmons is the one who criticized it when it happened. And he criticized it after he won his first championship. And he criticized it later in his career. And it's like, hmm, that's interesting how that works. But, you know, that's a whole nother story for another day. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Um, uh, one, um, one thing that, you know, that I also wanted to get into, you know, which is sort of a, you know, transition into what we're going to be talking about next is how, how is it that you feel about the fact that um, he's just going to be, that LeBron is just going to put his last name, James, on his, on the back of his jersey, as opposed to like a, a Black Lives Matter message or something, something like that. Well, I think it's a bit of a waste. Um, this was, this was what I was worried about when, you know, we had the discussion a couple of weeks ago about, um, you know, basketball kind of being a, a, a distraction um, with the biggest name brand player in the NBA not doing this. It's like, this is, I don't know, it's a missed opportunity. I know LeBron, I know where LeBron's heart is as far as all this, you know, he's, he's never been soft spoken about this topic. So I don't, I don't question where, LeBron's intentions are when it comes to dealing with social injustice and stuff. So I just think that this was an opportunity for, you know, people who didn't want to come back and, um, you know, want to, you know, have a chance to sell that message and continue to hammer it home. I feel like this was a little bit of a missed opportunity for him. And I do feel like I, 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 I kind of wonder if another player had been involved in like, you know, bringing this to people's light other than Kyrie 
how LeBron would have reacted to this. I, I, I can't help but think about that because it's like I feel like Kyrie is a he's a very intelligent player and a very intelligent person. I mean, so it's like he left LeBron or he left LeBron in Cleveland and I don't know. It kind of felt like he wants he wanted what LeBron had. So there seems to be a little bit of tension there that is just kind of unsaid to people. And maybe maybe this is a way of knocking it, but I, that's that's kind of overthinking it a little bit. But I don't know. All in all, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. And I'm kind of – I don't know how I really truly feel about him not making that move because it's like – no, no. He has the biggest voice in the sport, and you know, looking on the back of his name and looking and seeing James while everybody else is doing all these really good messages, and and that'll be what his is, is about himself. That's not a good look for him in this particular moment when basketball is. We're trying to make basketball. Um, we're doing it, but it's kind of like this is still secondary. You know what I mean? It's like um, it's like when Kobe died, he wore Kobe's jersey, right? And then that was such a big deal to Twitter, like that they got that picture of him wearing Kobe's jersey, kind of like a symbolic way of saying like the torch has been handed down, like you carry the torch now. Um, I mean, when I first heard about these jerseys, I was like, that ain't gonna do nothing, you know. The people who gonna care gonna care. The people who don't care aren't gonna care. But when you bring it up like that, that that's a very interesting point. And, you know, I was talking to someone a, a couple of weeks ago, someone who's not a basketball fan, really. And they were just saying, like, they think that this is really going to hurt LeBron's legacy looking, you know, down the road of kind of like how serious he kind of took the civil issues and everything and, and you know, kind of his impact off the court. Because, you know, uh, you know, we might not see it now. Right now we might just see LeBron added another championship to his resume. But, like, I don't know, just kind of, like, how genuine he is in the fight for justice. But, like you said, that that's kind of getting into, like, overthinking it. You know what I'm saying? Because he's done so much that it's kind of, like, when, you're, when you start to nitpick at small things like that, like, why did he choose to go back and play, like, when he knew it was going to be a distraction if he won a championship to the movement and the real problems in the world? Like, like Jada said, like, we're talking about Jada later. Um, Jada said that that they filmed that red table talk like as soon as she said that they were going to film it, but they held on to it because they didn't want to take away from a lot of the the other problems in the world. And I don't know how legit that is, <laughs> but you know that's a good point because as soon as they put it out, you saw the reaction. Like it was the talk of the timeline. It was the big meme. You know, uh, entanglement was a word of the week that everybody kept using over and over. I saw that word these eight hundred times in the last two days. So. I don't know. LeBron knew me coming back to play for the Lakers is going to take attention away from the real issues, regardless if I speak on it or not while I'm playing. Free Woj, by the way. That his jersey is to say free Woj. That would be hard. But, yeah, uh, yeah, that, that's all I had to I, – I wasn't going anywhere with that. But I guess to kind of question Jeremy on it, just of like – like when you say this kind of maybe furthers his tension with Kyrie, like – like, you mean, like, Kyrie represents having your name on a jersey and not having basketball be a distraction towards the movement? And LeBron is saying he's kind of denying that by not putting the name on his jersey? Yeah. It's almost, it almost feels like a counter-argument because, you know, we all know that Kyrie was really, you know, you know, talkative about, you know, not, you know, this being a distraction. And, you know, when we had the discussion, you know, we all kind of agreed that that definitely was going to happen. So, and, and the whole time in the background, we heard chirps or little small bits and pieces of information that LeBron's like, I'm playing. And that was just, that was just it for him. Like he, I'm playing. So him to make this announcement and him to make this move, it kind of puts him in a, in a box that hey I'm playing ball that's what I'm when I'm in this setting that's what it's about where this is exactly what Kyrie was saying is that you know we're in a position where you can't just be about ball especially in this moment you know what I mean so it it feels like a little 
maybe not even intentionally, but it feels like a dig at what Kyrie was trying to say. Yeah, I was definitely thinking about the um, about the Kyrie um, about the Kyrie overtones here. Like it sort of feels like you know a a little bit of um, a little bit of a nudge or a diss at you know what what he was saying, and not only what Kyrie was saying, but also um, what Dwight Howard was saying too, because. I remember when they was having the conversations about whether or not to restart the season, they were the, you know, they were the, the, the big two as far as saying like, look, should we even restart the season at all? Because all this is going to do is just be, you know, one big distraction from all these other issues that we're, you know, that we're trying to shine a, a further light on. And, you know, I was listening to somebody else, um, you know, the other day and they pretty much said like, you know, it definitely does hurt. It definitely, you know, wouldn't be a good look as far as LeBron is concerned because it's, you know, it's simply one of those issues where it's it's different when you see the, you know, it, it's different for, like, NBA players definitely have a platform, obviously. All NBA players, because the sport is so popular, you know, you know whether it's, you know, whether it's Giannis or whether it's Kyrie or whether it's Dwight Howard or whether it's, you know, Steph Curry or John Morant or Zion or anybody, like all NBA players, especially like that upper tier echelon of NBA players, they definitely have a platform. It's different though, if you see Black Lives Matter on the back of LeBron's jersey. It's different if you see George Floyd or Breonna Taylor on the back of LeBron's jersey, because he's the most, po he's the most powerful athlete, not only in the NBA, but in sports, period in sports period. So when he says it, especially when there have been so many efforts in the NBA and some of them that they actually got from the WNBA, such as putting the names on the back of the jerseys, such as putting Black Lives Matter and say her name on the courts, given all of that for, you know, for all of a sudden for LeBron to say, oh, I'm just going to have my, you know, my regular name on the back of my jersey. It, it, it just doesn't, it's just it's just one of those things. I just feel like it's it's just not a good look. And I do feel like to a certain, you know, to a lesser extent, it just kind of, you know, it just kind of takes away from that message a little bit that's really trying to be, you know, shined in this, you know, in this time where there's, you know, so much of a conversation about um, social justice issues and how we can move forward. And it just it's just different if, you know, if LeBron, I'm, you know, we LeBron has definitely been outspoken about these issues, but I feel like that when he, you know, when he does something that sort of takes away from it, I feel like it definitely takes away from the whole movement as a whole, really, when you think about it. But, you know, as far as, you know, as far as that's concerned, you know, at the very least, LeBron still has a much better standing than one person who has become very, very, very well known, their name in basketball circles, and that is Kelly Leffler. And we'll talk about that, you know, a little bit as we go on. But it's so amazing that you want to talk about somebody who has really become like just reviled because she said some stuff, you know, some anti-Black Lives Matter stuff in previous days, in previous weeks. And she has been like, you know, just excoriated. Like for those that don't know, Kelly Leffler, senator from Georgia, co-owner of the Atlanta Dream. Like I have never heard watching, you know, and watching television and listening to radio and listening to shows, the Atlanta Dream get mentioned this much you know, as they have been mentioned in recent days and in recent weeks. So it's kind of brought more attention to the dream. So thank you, Kelly Leffler, for that. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, you got to go somewhere with, uh, with all of your rhetoric and all of your mess. But, but it's so amazing how, you know, how she is, uh, one, uh, you know, how she is a, a, a WNBA co-owner. And it's one of those issues where, you know, the W has been so prevalent, like before any of these other leagues, you know, any of these other leagues like, you know, really was pushing the whole thing about Black Lives Matter and pushing everything as far as social justice and really bringing attention to police brutality. And, you know, now you have Kelly Leffler basically saying like, oh, I'm not really, you know, I'm not really all with that. And it has led to this movement where now, you know, you have actual WNBA players, including those on the Atlanta Dream, including Renee Montgomery, where you have you know, so many that are saying, look, I don't even know if she should still be in this league. So it's so amazing. So I'd much rather be LeBron than I'd much rather be Kelly Leffler right about now. The team account. The team account posted Black Lives Matter. This is not a political statement. Signed it, bro. And then it got like thousands of retweets, bro. Like, 
it's crazy. It's crazy to see the dream players because, you know, like, I follow them. You know, like, I follow the team and the players. So it's the most retweets and likes I've ever seen them get and all that. And it's just like, bro, like, the world really paying attention. I got to shout out um, uh, Shalise Young. You know, Shalise Young uh, from Yahoo. She's really one of the first people black woman, a black woman journalist, you know what I'm saying? She really one of the first people to really put this out in the forefront. So we got to salute her because she's the one that's like, why is Kelly uh, a loafler still an owner giving off Donald Sterling vibes? And that story really is the first one that um, she put it out there. Uh, 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 Clark, Elisa Clark. Yeah, I pronounce, okay. I just want to make sure to pronounce, uh, I pronounce it right. Uh, Elisa Clark from Seattle. She, she was like, I was wondering the same thing. Then Sue Bird. Then, you know, then it got big. And that's when it really blew up. So shout out to Celise Young for that. You know what I'm saying? Black women. Support black women. Supply black women journalists. All that good stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Jeremy, you were uh, saying about Kelly. Yeah. No, I actually wanted to put a little bow on uh, LeBron for a minute. Um, you know, I, I don't have a problem with LeBron not wanting to do it. I just feel like... Like, I don't – I'm not going to take it to a point where I would say it's going to affect his legacy. But it's – it also kind of, like you said, Rashad, this bubble stuff is kind of revealing the character, the true character and the true nature of some of these guys. Because, like Kendrick Perkins was saying on first take this week, if you're going to hoop, you're just going to hoop. Like, it's – it ain't really that hard of a decision. Like, just – either you're going to go down there and you're going to play ball or you're not. Like, it's, it's – I mean, so with this, it's like – Either you're going to be a part of what's going on with the movement and, you know, making sure that this message is found and make sure that this message is heard or you're not. I mean, you can do it your way, but this is this is a great like this is a great opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity. I don't remember ever having an opportunity like this where sports leagues have allowed you to change your name to say the names of people who have been killed like this. Like, like I don't. I've never seen this happen before. And even MLS players took the opportunity to do this. So, I don't know. It's unfortunate that he's taking this stance. But I, I, don't, I don't think any less of LeBron because he did that. I just wanted to make sure that was clear. Well, to, to go back to that, there's a couple small things. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is another small thing. But it's like, it's been a few small things over the years. It's like, I remember um, – uh, so, yeah, yeah, going back to just even the kneeling thing, you know, we, we had that debate a lot on this show because, you know, I'm an NBA guy and Jeremy's an NFL guy. And, you know, he was like, well, if the NBA is so progressive, why are the players, why aren't the players kneeling? And I'm like, well, you know, LeBron said he could do, you know, more with his voice than just kneeling. And it's like, okay, so that was kind of like the first small thing of like, why didn't LeBron just kneel? Like, if you know you're that powerful and you have that, why don't you do it just to show that um, that uh, that image, you know, that that you're that you stand with Cap? You could pay to find your LeBron James, <laughs> you know. So that was the first thing, and then it was the uh, the protests, you know, the protests. Kendrick Lamar, Kanye West, LeBron James isn't more famous than Kanye West. I mean, they're up there like near each other, but Kanye West is more famous, you know. So for Kanye West to go out to a protest, but you know. They had the, the, the videos of LeBron, you know, riding a bike around L.A., you know, working out, staying in shape with A.D. Kendrick Lamar is out there to protest in L.A., you know, all these other people. And it's like LeBron didn't go outside for the protest. That's another thing. It's like he didn't go outside for the protest, but he went outside to work out with, with his boys, with the team, with the Lakers to stay in shape. And now this thing. And, you know, and obviously you can say the China thing, which – conservatives use the, the most but you know they use that just kind of as like a all lives matter thing to like you know to uh degrade what, what he's done but you know it's been a few instances where lebron could have easily just did something to show like you know i'm not just saying it i'm showing y'all and he's done that with like you know he's given more millions than i have to the movement you know what i'm saying and he's opened up one more school than i have but there's still like certain things. It's like these are just small kind of things that you can show of solitude of of um of support that you haven't, you know, that you kind of decline. So I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. That's you know that's kind of what I was getting at because 
yeah, I think you're 100% right. And like I said, we all know where LeBron's heart is on this just because we've seen it. We've seen him do stuff, but then also he's done it separate from everybody else's message. And it's kind of – it has me wondering a little bit about why that is, um, you know. So that's – I think that's all we really need to say on that. But that's – you know, that's definitely a question mark that I do have about, you know, where he actually is. I know he opened the school, which is great, but um, – you know, that, that benefits him in the long run, if we really think about it. Um, so I think, you know, like the kneeling thing, you know, when we had that debate, you know, I was like, LeBron said, okay, well, my voice can be, I can do more with my voice than, okay, well, you, your voice is not going to cause you to lose money. Whereas Cap put his entire career on the line. And LeBron didn't want to put a couple hundred thousand dollars on the line. So we all lead differently. We all have our own preferences and things we're comfortable with doing. But when you're saying I'm, I'm the biggest voice in sports and people recognize you worldwide and you won't do the little things to make sure, like, I don't care about your Instagram post. I just don't. That doesn't do anything for me. But I don't know. I'm, I'm with you, Rashad. So. It's just something to take note of. And then to anybody who might be listening or watching, they're like, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it does because, like, one of the knocks on Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan, you know, didn't stand up. And they're like, LeBron is far away than, than, uh, than Michael in that respect. And then it's like, is he really? Or is it, you know, just doing it for the look? Because when it gets to a certain point, a lot of times he's kind of chose to step back. That's very micro, like, you know, very microaggressive, you know, nitpicking because he's done so much, like, like you said, you know. But that is – Something to acknowledge. It's not something to just turn your cheek on and ignore. So, yeah. Yeah, people do, you know, they definitely do lead in all sorts of, you know, all sorts of different ways. And that was, uh, you know, that was also interesting that you mentioned, Jeremy, about how, you know, some of these messages are going to be, you know, are going to be different from, you know, from others' messages. Because, you know, but I think that, like you were saying, as far as LeBron is concerned, his message is automatically going to stand out from the messages of other athletes just because of, you know, just because of who he is. That's why, you know, I was saying earlier that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if, you know, for, you know, if it's a James Harden or if it's a Russell Westbrook or a Giannis or Zion or, or anybody else, you know, in the NBA, but when it's LeBron, it's just, you know, it's just different. And also one thing that, you know, that we used to knock athletes for is why is it that they don't recognize the influence and the power that they have, you know, as far as, you know, standing up for social justice and as far as being aware of these issues. And one of the things that we always used to say is, you know, they don't used to, they don't necessarily do this because they're worried about how it's going to hurt their brand. They're worried about how it's going to affect their sponsorship deals. They're worried about if it's going to affect them getting endorsement deals in the future. Remember when the protests were at their peak and you saw all these companies, you saw so many companies all of a sudden come out the woodwork and they were posting Twitter and Instagram posts saying Black Lives Matter say her name, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, so many companies that you wouldn't think, you know, you know, that you wouldn't think would, you know, would have anything to do with Black Lives Matter or say her name or anything. All of a sudden, it became one of those issues where it became sort of a marketing standpoint, because I think that really and truly not only did it make them look good, but also I think it's something where, you know, when the movement is really used for good, that's an acknowledgement of, oh, wow, like we can't just, you know, create like, you know, McDonald's and Walmart do this all the time. You watch, you know, you turn on BET and it's one of those issues where you always see them like doing, you know, doing black commercials. Big Mac. Big Mac. <laughs> Big Mac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what you always see. You always see. It, it, it's always them too. If you turn on BET, you turn on TV, TV One for just like uh, an hour or two, you are almost guaranteed to see a Walmart or a McDonald's commercial targeting black people. That is so 
true. You are almost, you're almost guaranteed. It's so amazing that you see all these companies. So all of a sudden it's become something where now, you know, because there's so much attention that's being, you know, that's being uh, brought to the movement, all of a sudden it's become somewhat cool and you know to to say black lives matter and there's a there's a uh you know a, a good side and a bad side to it because it's one of those issues where yeah you know you know you can you know hashtag black lives matter in an instagram post or you can post a black square you know on an instagram post or you can commit to um you know or you can commit to not spending any money on you know on july 7th but you know, what is it that you're really doing for, you know, what is it that you're really doing for the movement? So, so, you know, I just feel like that, you know, um, when little things like this come out, as far as LeBron is concerned, you know, it's definitely things that sort of raise an eyebrow, but I feel like that in his case, I feel like that he's already um, scrutinized enough for, you know, the things that he does because he's LeBron, whether it's on court or off court, that as far as I'm concerned, I think you have to look at the totality of everything that he's done, like building the school, like donating, you know, money to civil rights organizations. I just think that, you know, things like this, like I said, they certainly make you think, but at the same time, I think that, you know, it shouldn't take away from overall, like where LeBron is on these issues. I mean, he's definitely a lot more aware of it than what Michael Jordan was in his days. And they even talked about that when they did the Jordan doc on ESPN. Like I said, there's no question of where LeBron's heart is. Um, also, I value, I value his voice because not only is he a great player and a big brand, like we, we've talked about how much of a brand LeBron is, but like LeBron's a father. Like what other of, of kids that we can see, like we physically can see his kids and, we're literally watching them grow as not only people, but as athletes. I don't know another athlete that's really famous right now that we can, you know, compare that situation to. Um, I mean, so, you know, he kind of has to, he has to be kind of careful about how he, you know, portrays himself and how, he, what is he teaching his son who, you know, could very well could be an NBA player one day. So, um, that's also an interesting take that, you know, we can't get from James Harden or uh, Luka Doncic or Zion or Trey Young. Like, we can't get that from those guys because those guys are still babies themselves. LeBron's a grown man. So, I don't know. That's – I think I think it's going to be interesting to watch how he does use his voice once things do kick off down there. Yeah, I think that'll be, you know, that'll be one of those, um, you know, one of those interesting things that we, um, you know, that we just uh, have a chance to really see and just have a chance to really witness when, you know, when we're watching our, you know, when we're watching our TVs, you know, watching these games and things like that. And I do think for sure that we'll, um, you know, it's, you know, it's definitely something where we'll see players um, certainly bring, you know, a lot of attention, of course, to the, you know, to the movement, both on the, you know, both on the NBA side, as well as the WNBA side. So it's really, I think it's, it's one of those issues where, um, you know, we're, go we're going to be watching, of course, you know, to, you know, just to see basketball again, because we've been, you know, outside of NASCAR, outside of, um, outside of MLS, like I saw Atlanta United players that were wearing shirts, like you said, before, um, before their match with New York Red Bulls, and they were wearing Black Lives Matter. I mean, you know, but um, the, uh, the, the on-pitch result for United wasn't necessarily the desired result, but that was what that was. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think that in this sort of climate where we're, you know, really fixated on social issues and we're also really fixated on health issues. It's something where, yeah, eventually we want to see the, you know, we want to see what the final score is. But I think that, you know, so much has, you know, so much attention has just been really brought, you know, to, um, you know, to just all these issues that it really is, you know, it really is bigger than the, you know, it really is bigger than the final score in more ways than one. And that can apply with LeBron, that can apply with this, you know, with this Kelly Leffler situation with the Atlanta Dream and the fact that she said that she's not going to sell her stake in the team. So there's just really so much going on. But, you know, it, it's definitely healthy, obviously, that, you know, that we're having this conversation. But, you know, in addition to you know, in addition to everything else, you know, obviously that is going on. There's just so wait. Hold on, hold on, Kim. Hold on, Kim. I wanna, I wanna continue to talk about Kelly a little bit because I felt like we we didn't slander her enough. She need to, she need to come get this um slander real quick. So she come up. Uh, well, the first thing, hmm, where do I even start with this? So a big thing I kind of had a. 
Well, yeah, 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 you're right, right, right. The moral thing, the moral thing. So in March, just to kind of get a gauge of, of her morals and, and where she sees things, she had insider information, right, with trading. And it was pretty much like she invested in things that were going against people who were suffering or something like that from the coronavirus. Like, I, I forgot the specifics of it. I shouldn't have brought it up if I don't know the specifics. Um, I, I, from what I understood, she was in a meeting about um, things that were going on with the coronavirus. And as she had stake in companies that were about to suffer because the coronavirus was going to have um, impacts on the economy. So she sold her stocks off and made a lot of money off of those stocks. And within the next couple of weeks, those stocks were worth about half of what she sold them for just because COVID hit and, you know, these companies had to lay a bunch of people off. They were closed. They couldn't do like all that happened. So she stole her stocks before, but she had insider information because she knew the situation with COVID and that closings were coming. And in addition to everything else, not only that, but she's also reportedly bought stocks in companies that were going to benefit off of the virus while also saying in public that this isn't really anything to worry about. That's what it was. That's what it was. So, and her husband is the head of the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, doesn't her husband like own part of the the Hawks? I think I that I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I don't know the answer to that. I saw someone comment that on like a Facebook group. So you know how those things are. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so so yeah, that that's just her moral kind of compass, just to give you guys a background of all of this, and then so. You know, she goes into the thing of like Black Lives Matter is a, and it's funny that people like who, I don't want to get too political because you know we have jobs, and our jobs are to be, so I think I'm gonna pull back. I'm gonna pull back. I'm gonna, you know, what I'm saying I'm gonna bow out, but it's very. I'll say this. I'll leave it at this. I think it's very interesting to see the people who oppose Black Lives Matter, um, their umbrella of safety is to kind to. It's, it's to kind of attack Black Lives Matter, like the organization and its mission statement, as opposed to just the saying Black Lives Matter. I think that's an interesting thing to note, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, that you know, that's you know, that's certainly something that I was also, um, you know, that I was like I said, I was also thinking about like that's a you know, that's a really great point as far as um, you know, as far as like you know, just how, you know, she has this, you know, tries to portray herself as, you know, having this, you know, having this moral compass while at the same time, it's something where she's, you know, doing things, you know, that, that really, that really highlight exactly like, you know, what she is, you know, entirely, you know, in this for, which is, you know, which appears to be just, you know, appears to be just money. And there's so much, like you said, you know, as far as there's there's a whole backstory, like anybody who's, um, you know, anybody who's followed um, the, the whole Georgia political scene, especially in the last few months, which is all the way wild. I mean, anybody who's followed that knows the, the backstory of how she, you know, got the seat in the Senate and everything, you know, everything like that and how she's trying to win reelection. So there's so much there that, you know, that you know, that we could, you know, go into and that anybody could be, you know, going into, but, uh, but you know what, I'll, uh, you know, it, like I said, there's so much that we could go into, but you know what the, you know, the folks at, um, the folks at GPB at Georgia Public Broadcasting, they probably do a, you know, a better job of it than probably, than probably we could. <laughs> so shout out to those people at, uh, at GPB for sure. And the rest of Atlanta Media, AJC, all that, you know, all that good stuff. But, um, but yeah, it's just so amazing how, um, and just to sort of, you know, I guess you could say close on the whole on the whole leper thing, you know, like I expected there to be a little bit of backlash. And the whole thing with the insider trading, I feel like in WNBA circles was one thing where a lot of people um, like um, like Starkman 55, um, whom I met in Minnesota when I was at the um, All-Star game up there. Um, he was one of the first who said that, oh, we should get, you know, Kathy Engelberg, the commissioner of the W, get, you know, get her out of the league the same way that they did, um, 
Donald Sterling. And that was really the first thing, the first sign that really had people thinking like, oh, wow, like, what is she doing here? Like, this is a really bad public relations look if we have people that are within our league engaging in insider trading. That was the first thing. And then when she started saying everything about the, um, you know, about, you know, black ownership of guns and how it was supposedly mob rule. That was the, that was the next thing that came out. And then when she came out and, and opposed the Black Lives Matter thing, as far as the initiative that the WNBA is trying to do in Florida, that was, I think that was the, the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back as far as that just being like, okay, we got to get, you know, we got to get her out of here. And, you know, the, and, you know, like I said, these aren't just, you know, unknown. These are some of the top, players that are so well known because so many WNBA players play overseas. You know, like you got Skylar Diggins, Rihanna Stewart, Elena Deladon, Sue Bird, Laisha Clarendon, and you know, they're, they're Candace just, Parker. Candace Parker. She said Cheryl Swoops. Cheryl Swoops, exactly. One of the all time greats. And um and like you said, also two of the all time greats as a matter of fact. And Candace Parker, I think she made her comments when she was on, I think it was either TNT or NBA TV. But um but yeah, it's just really like across the board. And it's so amazing. Another thing I was thinking about was um, how her comments, as far as Leffler, how her comments um, are in stark juxtaposition with something that was said by, um, by Joe Tsai, who, um, who bought the Brooklyn Nets, New York Liberty, and Barclays Center. And he um, went on his Twitter and um and basically called somebody out you know for you know basically called somebody out for being a racist and being a loser so that's you know like in stark you know just you know juxtaposition to what um you know to what kelly leffler is saying but but yeah it's so amazing how all of a sudden he's become you know how she you know meaning leffler has just become so revived within you know within those circles and she's getting it from both sides you know both left and right so really you know She's really on an island with hers, but that is what that is. And she has the uh, the statement of that that politics shouldn't be in sports because sports is supposed to be a unifying thing between us. I wonder how she would feel if the WNBA was like, we're changing this season's thing, uh, WNBA 2020, the slogan to WNBA 2020, colon, one league under God. How would she feel about that? Would she feel like religion and politics have nothing to do with sports and shouldn't be in sports then? Oh, she'd be fine with that. We all know she'd be okay with that. Imagine imagine playing – imagine uh, growing up in a neighborhood where the only way you get – that you feel like you can get out of something is by playing sports or making music. How 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 is that not political? Like, you're talking to a – you're talking to a demographic of people who have been around groups of people that the only thing that they had an opportunity to free themselves from their current situation was to be able to put a ball in a basket, to jump higher than other people, to run faster than other people, to become, to make themselves the best athletes possible. And why is that? When why is that a reality for one portion of the society? Because of systematic racism. Why is that? Why does that matter? Because Black Lives Matter. Because like it, like it just doesn't make sense to me. It's like, how do you say sports are political when the literally the people who are making the money and making these sports so great are people who grew up? And the reason they became great athletes, a lot of them is because that's the only thing they they that was the only that was they were limited opportunities to do other things. So I don't know. I don't know how you have that mindset and say that to that group of people. You know what I mean? Because I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of these people would have been doctors, and they would have played tennis, or they would have, they would have done things that would have allowed them to not have to play. Like they would have, they would have had more options if, you know, what these people are protesting for. Like I, I just don't understand. I don't understand how you can, with a straight face, say that to NBA, WNBA, NFL people. I don't know how you can do that. And, and you know, in addition, that's also a, you know, that's also a good point you were saying about how, you know, sports and politics, I just think that, you know, there are several things, you know, first of all, Kelly Leffler, you a politician, and you weren't even elected, you was, uh, you was appointed to the seat to the Georgia Senate seat because Johnny Isaacson retired due to health reasons. So it's so amazing. You want to say, you know, politics and sports stay out of it. 
but how come, you know, how come you, um, you know, it's one of those issues where how come you didn't just sell your stock in the dream after you was appointed to that Senate seat by Governor Kemp. So, you know, that's number one. Number two, in addition to, you know, what, you know, what Shah was just saying, it's so amazing that people say, oh, we should keep politics out of sports. When, okay, if you want to keep politics out of sports, then how come these sports owners don't all of a sudden pay for their own stadia? How come all of a sudden they don't uh, just pay for their own stadia when it's one of those things where they have the uh, ability to pay for their own stadium and they're asking for taxpayer money for their own stadium so that's another thing as far as politics and sports so it just it just is one of those issues where it continues to you know it just continues to make you think like oh do you really want to keep politics and sports separate or do you just only want to keep politics and sports separate when all of a sudden it don't benefit you so knowing that fact why did she go and buy an nba team a WNBA team if you don't want Politician, politics and sports, why become a politician and then buy a sports team? That just don't add up. I got so, another question for y'all. <laughs> is standing for the is, – is playing the national anthem political, first of all? And second, is it – I think I think if kneeling is a political statement, is standing up for the anthem with your hand over your heart a political statement? Mm-hmm. That's a that's a good question. <laughs> that's a good question. It's just one of those things. Another one of those things that also, like you said, it also makes you think. Like you know, it, it's so it's so amazing that I think that, and that's really you know a, a great thing, really, about the fact that we're having this you know you know wide ranging and deep conversation that we've been having is the fact that so many things that people used to overlook as political all of a sudden now understanding that look this mess is political like black skin is political all of us got all of us got black skin that's political in itself because it's been made to be political and you know that and that's one thing for sure that you know none of us you know none of us can change and as far as i'm concerned none of us want to change like i love being black i absolutely love being black i get flack for it but you know what i have absolutely no problem i, I love my black skin I'm comfortable within the skin I am and with the skin I am in. And that's just what that is. So, you know, so that's, you know, it's just something, but it's just, like I said, it's just one of those issues. It just, it just makes you think like, you know, politics and sports staying separate. When you think about it, so much of sports has always been political from, you know, from, you know, and this even goes back to even, you know, whether it's Jackie Robinson or Kurt Flood or Muhammad Ali or Billie Jean King, so much has been forever really and even even today like you got you know your your colin kaepernick's and your bubba wallace's so so much of sports really has been political and i just feel like that when you know people say oh sports shouldn't be you know sports shouldn't be political then you know it's it's one of those issues where i just think that people just you know i just think that that's such uh you know such a tone deaf statement to make because sports has you know, like I said, from, you know, from standing up for, for social justice to the fact that, you know, it took such a long time for, for, for black people to even have the opportunity to um, play in Major League Baseball and the integration of Major League Baseball, which is why the Negro Leagues existed. I just think that when somebody makes that, it's just such an off the wall statement. It just really, um, it just is one of those things that as far as I'm concerned, just kind of, you know, it just kind of rubs me, you know, it just kind of rubs me and I'm pretty sure a lot of other people the, you know, just entirely the wrong way as far as that. But, you know, that's, um, you know, that's, you know, mainly everything that I would, you know, that I would uh, have to say, like, I would have, you know, I would definitely have more to say about it for sure. And, you know, but like I said, as we was just, you know, as we was talking earlier, we was kind of, you know, you know, it was kind of, you know, kicking it about the, um, what you were saying about your stories. I feel like that, um, that's something that really and truly, like, you know, you could do a whole like two, three, four hours on just, you know, sports being political and the interminglings of the two, the entanglements of the two. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> hold, hold on, hold on. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to plug a show. It's an entire show about it. It's called The Intersection. It's new on ESPN Radio. Make sure y'all support Black people uh, every Thursday night at, I think, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, Clinton Yates, L. Duncan. Shout out to them. It's a new show. It just started on Juneteenth. By the way, speaking of that show, one of us happened to be a guest on that show. 
Can you give a guess as to who may have who it may have been? Hint, hint. Wasn't me. Wasn't Jeremy. So by process of elimination, we all know who that leaves. We all know who that leaves. Shot. Go ahead and flex. I mean, just shout out, shout out to ESPN. You know what I'm saying? I appreciate the opportunity. I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> you go, man. Keep your man. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> for, the, for those watching, for those listening, Sean's just being, he's just being modest. He's just being all down to earth and modest. But I know for sure that when he got the call thinking that, you know, it was one of those things where he got the call and, and was on, you know, because I was listening on my, I was listening on my, um, on my car radio. Like I was just listening on my car radio. And then it became one of those things where I heard a very familiar voice. And I was like, wait a minute. I know this voice. I know this voice. I heard this voice before. Like this is, this is something. So so yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, but yeah, definitely. Congratulations. Congratulations, Shab, man. Like that's, um, you know, that's just one of those things that is just, you know, so, you know, just so great to see, you know, just seeing all of us, you know, really, you know, as I'm saying, obtaining and maintaining for sure. But, but before we get on about it here, we, 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 we much appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is absolutely what it is. Like, you know, you deserve it for sure. You deserve it for sure. But, but yeah. And, um, and in addition, also shout out to Eric. I know he couldn't be here, you know, you know, couldn't be here this episode, but he had this, um, he posted something on Bleacher Report as well about, um, you know, about, you know, just how Atlanta has just become, yeah, you know, an that, was great. that was great. That was great. That was great. Yeah. And that was, you know, that got a lot of attention, you know, you know, went really went viral. So, um, so also shout out to Eric, you know, for that as well. But, but hold on, hold on. Kim. Yes, we're getting into it. Now that we got all the BS out the way, congratulations, the Black Lives Matter. We get into the real issues that's going on in this country. Let's do it. Let's the real do it. issues. And we kind of teased it. A, we kind of teased it a couple other times. We kind of teased it a little bit earlier in this show. But the number one thing as of late that everybody has been talking about is Jada and Will and August Alcina. Like, honestly, like, you want to talk <laughs> Jeremy? Jeremy, I'm weak. Hey, hey, man. I'm weak. This is, this is August Alcina's and Jada, <laughs> Jada Pinkett Smith Alcina's. Jada Pinkett Smith Alcina, oh, yeah. no. That's their relationship. She got three oh, last names. My. <laughs> Smith, <laughs> Pinkett. And Alcina, that's a lot of oh, last man. names, man. Jada Pickett Smith, Alcina. Tyler Perry could not have written a more better script for all of this. Someone said because his next his next movie's gonna be titled Entanglement. <laughs> oh my! Wow! <laughs> August, August's next album is gonna be Entanglement. Entanglement. Oh Entanglement. God. Endangerment. <laughs> but that, I mean, the, the thing I want to say about that, the quick thing I want to say is like, if this was the other way around, if it was a man and a woman, like Jada would be looked at in such a bad way. Like it would be like, it wouldn't be jokes. It would be like some serious, like imagine if it was R. Kelly. Man, what? Because like, it's not the fact that they had the relationship, whatever, like that's your business. Like that's none of my business. Boom, boom, boom. You, you know, y'all handle that. The thing that got me is the fact that they they welcomed this young man who had a troubled past, right? He had he was dealing with childhood trauma, he was dealing with mental issues, he was dealing with addiction, drug addiction, serious like life-threatening issues. You welcome him in as a family member to give him that family and support system he he never had, right? Or I'd assume, I don't know August and his background, but I'd assume he never had, like you guys offered him. You welcome him in, him in like that, you know, you get him well, you get him on his way, and then you take advantage of him sexually. Like, you know, he's in a vulnerable state and you take advantage of, like, I mean, not even take advantage of it, but, but you know, you get a vulnerable young soul. Oh, with, 
with no intention of having a real relationship. Exactly. That's that's messed up. If if a dude did that, then it'll be the biggest. You know, I mean, not just the biggest meme, but it'll be like a serious discussion hat. And like all these jokes are funny and stuff, but like this is a real problem if the roles were reversed. So that, that's all I wanted to say on it. Yeah, it is a, you know, it, it is one of those, um you know, one of those huge issues. It really, I think that, you know, and I, you know, and I, you know, talk about, you know, you know, things like that on the, um on the regular is something that, you know, has me, you know, just really thinking a lot of thoughts about everything that had, you know, that had gone on. And it, you know, it's one of those issues where, you know, it would be, you know, it definitely would be different if the, you know, if the roles were reversed, you know, with everything, because, you know, I think that really and truly, when you think about it, it's just one of those. It's just one of those issues where the whole, um, you know, the whole thing as far as how we see, you know, men and women as far as relationships and and things like that. Because one of the things that I saw on, you know, on Twitter is that you know, Will and Jada were really, you know, they, they pretty much like had an open relationship. That's one of the things that I saw that people were saying that they pretty much had an open relationship. So if it was something where they tried to really help out August Alcina with his issues and then it just became something where, you know, it, you know, just became what it became, then that's, that's certainly something. But I think that really and truly, I think that some, one of the things that is so prevalent is, you know, just how we, you know, just how we see, um, you know, as far as like the roles of, you know, relationships and then, you know, bringing in other people in, I think that, you know, really and truly, I just think that it's something where, you know, I think that honesty really, I think is really like, you know, just so key. And if there isn't anything of that sort that's, you know, that's really going on. And I think that these issues definitely get, you know, it's it, it, these issues definitely get a larger lens when it's celebrities that are all of a sudden in the spotlight. But, um, but yeah, I just think that overall, like, if the roles were reversed in this, like, it would, like, the everything is certainly how it's being, you know, portrayed. It definitely would be different. There's no doubt about it. I don't have, I don't have as much to say, because I think you guys hit it both, both hit it. Um, and I do think it would be a little different if it were a man, but you know, who knows? Um, honestly, I don't really care personally about that. I don't care about their personal business. I don't care what they do. You know, I think this is a little, I think it's a little icky when I think about it. Um, but you know, I, if I if I I feel I feel bad for August Alcina a little more than I do them because, like Rashad was saying, you know, he was in a vulnerable place and dealing with some real stuff. Like he was dealing with some real stuff. So when he said it, that's why I kind of felt like I don't think he would be lying. That's why I immediately believed him. Um, and then the second part is, you know, you coming out like and saying this stuff. How do you feel now? Like it's like, like you didn't get a positive. Like they kind of didn't deal with him. It was just kind of like you know, she like she just. He, this man came out. I felt like I was in love. I, I was happy, and I was happy. I could die right now because I was happy to know him. I, I loved all this. All this really telling stuff about how he felt about this woman, and she came out and said this man was an entanglement. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what your feelings would be like if that's what somebody said to you? I mean, that's. I just. I don't know, man. It's. It's a lot. And it was a lot for no reason. So, I mean, that's all I got to say, man. It's an, an entanglement. I don't know, man. Just whatever. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's just one of those things where you just have to just chalk it up and say, you know what, that is entirely what that is. But we out of here. Another episode. We in here. Now we out here. So let's get on up out of here. And uh, as we always do, do our sign-offs and uh, just uh, do what we do. RashadMilligan.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Sabrina Anaski. Jeremy Johnson Clark underscore Kent underscore. It's been the same since we started day one. Give me Superman. Blah, blah, blah. As it is for sure. And it is for sure. And it is for me too. Akeem Balaam. Akeem Balaam. Uh, Twitter Graham Beyond the W Prep Girls Hoops SC. Check it out. We out here till next week. See you later. And, uh, don't get up in any entanglements. Y'all must thought that I was gonna whisper the whole time. Y'all don't want friends, I want Audis. I don't want cars, I want Rari's.